Our scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about how uh, about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds and our ears to what you have to say. Don't let the preacher's words get in the way of what you want and need to tell us. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, tomorrow is Memorial Day, but it didn't always begin on May 29th. In fact, it was established in 1868 by, you see the picture, of General John Logan, and he established it on May 5. He was the national commander of the Grand Army of the Republic. But it was observed that year on May 30th, and it was called Decoration Day, because that's when the, his soldiers uh, took flowers and decorated the graves of both Union and Confederate soldiers in the Arlington National Cemetery. By 1890, this event, this Decoration Day, was recognized all throughout the northern states. The Confederate states, the southern states, uh, had a, a separate day that, where they remembered their dead. It was not until after World War II that it became a national observance for the whole country, both north and south. In 1971, the National Holiday Act 
made it the last Monday in May, and that's why the date will change from year to year, but it's always the last Monday in the month of May. Now, a lot of times we confuse Memorial Day with Veterans Day, and you'll see in gatherings that uh, kind of um, recognizing veterans, um, but that's Veterans Day. Memorial Day is about remembering those who have paid the ultimate price, those who died in wars. It is also a day because it involves remembering those who are no longer with us. Uh, some people kind of think, think of Memorial Day as a, a day of remembering everyone who's passed away. And so you'll have people that will take flowers for relatives or others who have passed away that were important to them. There's nothing wrong with that. that that's fine. Uh, but that's more like All Saints Day. So I just wanted to be clear that specifically Memorial Day is about remembering those who paid the ultimate price so that our the values of this land and our freedoms can be secured and protected. Well, today happens to be Ascension Sunday, and it's a day that we remember Jesus and his sacrifice. And his sacrifice uh, made it possible for us to have eternal life, not just Jesus didn't die just simply to, uh, to secure the freedoms of this land, but really Christ died to give us life. Now, he spent probably his, well, probably his whole life, but we know the three years of his ministry as an adult, he spent most of his time telling people about the kingdom of God and, and showing them through his actions by the way he, he cared for people. The kingdom of God was very important to him. So, you see, in a way, he died for the kingdom of God as opposed to just for a nation. And even in his last 40 days, the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, when he would finally leave his, his disciples for one last time in the, his physical form as Jesus, in those 40 days, he spent most of his time talking about the kingdom of God. If you remember from our lesson in verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Well, I would suggest that it's pretty important to Jesus that he would spend those last days talking about the kingdom of God. And Ascension Sunday reminds us what happened that day where, where he's lifted up to heaven and, and he sort of passes on the torch of teaching others about the kingdom of God. He's, when, he, when he sends his disciples out as to be witnesses, he, what he's really doing is sending them out to be witnesses to, to his message that he's been sharing his whole life, certainly in his adult life, and especially in these last 40 days. He's passing on the torch of ministry. And in a way, Jesus is passing that torch on to us today. 
And he knew he wouldn't be easy. He knew that his disciples were going to be scared. They were going to feel like, well, they're all left alone. And how are they going to do this without Jesus? He knew it would not be easy. He knew what happened to him. Well, wouldn't they be thinking that the same thing could happen to them as well? So what did he do? He told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which we know is the promise of the Holy Spirit, which 10 days later they will receive in that upper room on Pentecost. In verse 4, he says, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The kingdom of God was so important to, to Jesus that In his last 40 days, he could have talked about a lot of other things, but he talked about the kingdom of God. That's what Luke tells us in the book of Acts. And so if if Luke is telling us that that's what Jesus did, it sure seems like we ought to be listening. What is it about the kingdom that's so important? When When he preached his sermon on the mount, most of that sermon is about the kingdom of God, or also known as the kingdom of heaven. In one chapter alone in, God, in, the Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, there are seven parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God. So clearly, the kingdom is important to Jesus. Why? What, what is it about the kingdom that's so critical to Jesus that he would spend, in fact, his last moments as he's getting ready to leave, he's really preparing them to become witnesses to the kingdom that he's been teaching them about. Well, I want to suggest some characteristics of the kingdom that I think Jesus made clear to us. First of all, I think Jesus said the kingdom of God is spiritual. He didn't say in that in those precise words. He did not say the kingdom of God is spiritual. But what he said about the kingdom was clearly a description of a kingdom that was not made of bricks and mortar, but it was something spiritual. Remember when he stands before Pilate and he's, and he's being questioned by Pilate and, and uh, Pilate wants to know if he's a king if, and, and what kind of king is he? What is his kingdom like? What, what Jesus says to Pilate is, my kingdom is not from this world. It's not from the world that Pilate would know or that you and I would know. It's not a, it's not a kingdom that has geographic boundaries, but it's, it's a spiritual kingdom. And in Luke's gospel, the 17th chapter, he tells his disciples that the kingdom of God is among or within you. That word that's uh, translated among can also be translated within. But the, the point is it's not out there, but it's in here. It's, it's within us, among us. It's spiritual, you see. So what, what Jesus is saying is that he gave up his life so that we might experience this spiritual connectedness of the kingdom of God. He goes on to teach his disciples that the kingdom of God belongs to children. He says in the 19th chapter of Matthew's gospel, let the little children come to me and do not stop them for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. This kingdom that he's talking about, he's saying, belongs to children. Not to those of us who have already kind of gotten ourselves all messed up with our our prejudices and biases, but no, it's to little children. 
And it, when, when Nicodemus comes to him, that, that mighty, wise Nicodemus who sits on the Sanhedrin, who knows his scriptures forward and backward, the Pharisee Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Jesus says to him in John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you, Nicodemus, realize you're going to have to, you're going to have to start all over again. You've got to become like a little child again. You've got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to make it there on your own. What Jesus is saying is our hearts must be as simple and as undefiled as a child to experience this spiritual realm known as the kingdom of God. He goes on to describe the kingdom by saying that the kingdom of God grows like a mustard seed. In Matthew 13, 32, he says, It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. And what's, what's remarkable about that tree, and, and I've seen pictures of, of a mustard tree. It's, it's as tall as this ceiling, and it's as wide as from this pillar to the other. That's how, that's how large they grow, and they start from just a little, tiny, little seed. And what's remarkable, what, what Jesus says in his parable about the mustard seed, is this thing grows up and then it provides a place for birds of the air to come and make nests in its branches. It's not just there to look pretty and look nice and people can go and, oh, look at that mustard tree. But it's there to it provide a service, to, to care for those, to provide a home for, for, for creatures of the earth. And Jesus, in his parable of the weeds, makes it clear that it takes time and patience for that growth to occur. That's why he tells uh, his disciples in this parable that, that they, they, they should not be plucking up the weeds like we are inclined to do so that, so that the seed will grow properly. But we let both grow up together. There will be a time and a place when the weeds will be weeded. But, but it's important to just let the good seed grow and stop spending all our energy worried about the weeds, but let them grow up together and then will come the day of reckoning to sort the good from the bad. And that's another part of the kingdom of God that we often don't want to hear. But, but you see, the kingdom of God tells us that there will be a day of reckoning. It will eventually come. Jesus tells a parable about a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. That's Matthew 13. In other words, there will be a time when the fish will be gathered, the weeds will be gathered. There will come a time one day justice will not be denied. But that's not for us to worry about. That's what the angels will do in the last days. There will be a reckoning. And the reckoning will come from God. Well, mostly as Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he wanted, to, he wanted to tell us how priceless the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is beyond our wildest dreams. It has value that we can't, can't imagine. He tells another parable 
He says the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Do you hear that? He sells all that he has to buy that field. The kingdom of God is so priceless that we are to give up everything else. And, and, and it's, I say we are as if it's a command, but, it, but what this person does in this parable is he does it with joy. It's something he wants to do. He wants to buy this field because he wants that treasure, because he knows how valuable it is. He tells, Jesus tells another parable about a merchant who deals in pearls. He, he, he buys pearls, and, and, and yet he goes and buys one pearl that is of such value that he sells all that he has in order to buy it. It's like he has a bucket full, a basket full of pearls that he's been trading all along, and he sells them all so he can buy this one pearl because this one pearl is the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's why Jesus told his disciples and he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. Indeed, indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's Matthew chapter 6. You see, Jesus knows how important the kingdom is, this spiritual kingdom of grace and mercy and justice. He knows how important it is, and he's saying that's what we must seek first and foremost. Everything else is secondary. Remember how Paul says faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. That love, that's the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, a kingdom of compassion and love for one another. And Jesus is saying, that's the most important thing in your life and in the life of all creation. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples, they see Jesus kind of floating up to heaven and they're thinking, whoa, 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 if the kingdom is so important, well, well when's it going to come about, Jesus? Is, is now the time? That's what they're, they're asking Jesus. When they had come together, Luke tells us, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? They're asking because they think they're, they think they're running out of time. They better ask him now because he's going to be gone in a few moments. Is this the time, Jesus? You've been telling us about the kingdom, and here we are, and we're not sure it's anywhere near us, and is it time now? And Jesus tells them that, it's not for them to know the time. Don't stop worrying about the time. But it is time for them to do something. It is time for them to take responsibility for the kingdom. And maybe, maybe that's why he left in the first place, so that, so that we wouldn't get used to him doing all the work. In verse 8 of our lesson, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Notice, notice what he says. Notice the you. You will receive power. And, and he says, you will be my witnesses. He's passing the torch, you see. He, he's telling his disciples, now it's up to you to do what I've been doing at least the last three years that you've experienced and what you've seen. Now, now it's for you to carry on where I've left off. And we must do the same today in 2017. We must become witnesses of his kingdom. Now notice how the disciples react after he's told them he's going to give them power. They need to hang around in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, the promise of the Father, and then they're to go out and be witnesses. Notice what they do. The Scriptures tell us that they just stand looking up to heaven. They are paralyzed like deer caught in headlights. They just stand looking up to heaven, watching Jesus. And two angels, they, they, the scripture, Luke tells us two men in white, but they're messengers from God. These two angels, they, they come and they, they ask the disciples, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? Why are you standing there? He just gave you some marching orders and you're standing there looking up to heaven. They go on to say this, Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. And you know, for a long time, I read that as meaning, well, he's, he's floating up into, into this cloud, and that's the way he went, so that's the way he's going to come. The second coming, he's going to come out of the cloud, come floating down. But the more I've thought about it, I don't think that's the way he went. Oh, in this moment, in this moment in time, maybe that's what they saw. But what was the way he went as he went toward heaven? He went in the way of suffering servanthood is what he did, you know, he went by eating with sinners and healing the sick and caring for the poor and the outcast and forgiving and loving and giving of himself. Finally, ending up on a cross. That's how he went to heaven. He didn't go up in a cloud. Well, that's fine, well and good for that moment. But the way he really went was the journey that he spent his whole life on. The journey through the kingdom of God. So the question is, why are we standing looking up into the sky when the, when the work's down here? We have a job to do here to, to be witnesses to this kingdom. And thank God that we don't, we don't have to do it alone. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus told his disciples, and that's what Jesus is telling us now. And I'm here to say it's not easy to live in the kingdom of God and be its witnesses. That's why God will give us the power to do it. You see, it is simply not easy to love the unlovable. If you think it is, then you have not loved. It is not easy to forgive the unforgivable. If you think that is easy, then you have not forgiven. It is not easy to be kind and generous and caring and patient and just and merciful in a world that is going in the opposite direction. Too many people find it easier to send hate-filled emails or post unkind words on Facebook. 
Too many people find it easier to stand with torches in the night to intimidate other people. Too many people go through life absolutely ignoring the needs of the people right next to them. That is the world that we live in. That is the world that the disciples lived in. And that is precisely why Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you power to do what what I've been doing and what you now need to carry on. You need that power because you can't do it alone. I don't know if you heard the story recently of the police officer in Atlanta. He was on his fourth day on the job. And he got a call that a, a 12-year-old girl had stolen shoes at the, locally, at the local family dollar. He came to the store to arrest the girl and found that she had stolen a, a pair of shoes that cost $2. And she had stolen them for her 5-year-old sister. Well, instead of pre- placing charges, he, he drove the... 12-year-old girl home and found out that she was living in a home of four siblings. Um, They had very little furniture, very little food. Her mother could not work because she couldn't afford the child care for, for four children. And her father worked, but it was not even minimum wage. And it was, he, he couldn't, he couldn't fill the cupboards with food or or provide shoes for his children. And so that officer went out and he, and he bought pizza <laughs> for the family. And he brought it back for them to have dinner that night. And, and he returned three more times and, 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 and bringing food to the, to the family. And, and um, in an interview afterward, he, he said it wouldn't be his last either. I don't, I don't know what his religion was. I don't know, you know if he went to church. It doesn't matter. But you see, this police officer, he, he had a glimpse of the kingdom of God. He, you know, and he was a witness to that kingdom. And my goodness, it's gone out all over the country and for that matter, around the world probably. All because of just a little kindness that he showed to a family. When he could have just done his job, written her up, taken her off to jail. He could have done that. But no, he was a witness to the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, you see. It's not always easy to live that kind of life. But God will give us the power to do it. Because, you see, real power comes from God. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for thinking that to be your disciple simply means to come to church and sing some nice songs and read a little bit of the Bible and then go about our business doing whatever we please. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to, help us to hear your voice as you call us out of our complacency to be witnesses to your kingdom, that spiritual kingdom that calls us to real compassion and mercy and love. Amen.